is a Grower Group podcast produced in conjunction with Bayer Crop Science. On this podcast, we'll discuss the great efforts and events going on in the Grower Group networks right around Western Australia. We hope you'll enjoy it and get involved in the Grower Group conversation. Welcome to the Sterlings to Coast Farmers podcast. I'm Craig White. I'm a market development agronomist and leader of integrated weed management at Bayer Australia and a long-time supporter of the Sterlings to Coast Farmers Group. And it's really great to have the CEO, Nathan Dovey, on the line with us today and also Smart Farms Coordinator, Philip Honey. How are you guys going? We're going well, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having us. No worries. No, look, we just thought we'd try this format. Um, I often call it hands-free information. Uh, we're people that are really busy, your members, farmers, out doing what they need to do and sometimes listening to information and just a little update uh, may be a little bit more convenient than watching a video or, or reading it in a newsletter or whatever. Obviously, they're important channels, but we thought we'd give this a try. And listeners, uh, members, if you like this idea, please let uh, everyone know at Stillings to Coast or myself and we'll continue to bring some information to you this way. So yeah, guys, we want to touch on a range of topics today that Sellings to Coast has underway. So I might start with you, Nathan. Um, as the CEO, obviously you've got a lot of projects and a lot of vision and things for, you know, things you'd like to be doing for your members. So we want to just sort of, we touched on a, on a few ideas. So yeah, where would you like to start on that? You know, what's going on in the Sterlings to Coast area at the moment? Um, I guess one of our latest and greatest trials and projects that we've started, Craig, is through the GRDC, um, and we are looking at improving the yield gap or, or closing the yield gap in the high rainfall zone. Um, so yep. basically looking at wheat, wheat and canola. Um, we'll be working with the Sepal Grower Group, and then we're also going to be collaborating with FAR, which is the Foundation for Arable Research, and DPIRD and CSIRO. So... Uh, really exciting project that's going to run for the next four years at this stage. Oh, terrific. I've seen a few tweets and a bit of information coming out in the newsletter uh, that goes out to your members as well, so that's been really good to keep up to date with there. Um, you know, what, what, it's about closing the yield gap, so just describe, you know, what are you actually doing in the project, what actually happens out in the field with that? So initially, still in the coast and SEPWA, we've come up with a bit of a, a field protocol. We're going to do a couple of trials each, four in total, um, in wheat this year. So we've got our first time of sowing in at Cranbrook where we've done some ripping versus nil control with no ripping. Um, and then we've got some Illibu wheat, which is a winter wheat, uh, versus SEPTA. So we threw, a, threw that in on the 20th of April, um, which should be a perfect yeah. time for Illibu. Yep. But uh, Scepter, as some of you may probably think, is a very strong chance of getting frosted going in that early. Um, so we'll come back with a second time of sowing and throw the illibu again uh, with some Scepter. And we're also going to throw some planet barley in at the second time of sowing as well. So we'll have a really nice comparison of, I guess, some crops that we think will yield pretty, pretty well. Um, how it is going to work in the coming years is plot trials will be run by CSIRO. They're going to be doing a... Con- canola component and FAR are going to be doing a wheat and barley component in plot trials. Um, So they obviously have the ability to do more intensive, I guess, treatments and and plenty more of them. Um, And then some of the things that they learn from those plot trials, we're going to then adopt at a broad scale trial level. So next year, we're more than likely moving to canola and who knows what it might be. Uh, I don't think it'll be uh, growth inhibitors with canola but it might be it might be a nitrogen strategy it might be fungicide strategy 
something sort of relatively simple we can do at a broad scale level. Yeah, oh, it sounds really interesting, Nathan, for but, sure. And yeah, how's that time sowing one looking at the moment? Uh, yeah, I got a photo from the farm the other day. So that came up. It, it had about eight before it went in. So sort of a non-wetting soil. It was okay. About seventy percent came up. We've now had probably 25, 30 mil out on that site. So yep. the rest of that will come up pretty sharply. Um, and just talking to the grower host before the podcast started, actually, hoping to seed the rest next week sometime. So there'll be sort of a three to four week gap between the times of sowing. Um, so that'll look fantastic and we'll, we'll have a field walk or whatnot out there later this year. Yeah, oh, no, it's really good. I mean, understanding, you know, those early opportunities when you can get them in and what uh, you need to do to protect it and get it growing, it's going to be invaluable information for the Stirlings to Coast area, no doubt. Yeah, I think it's one of our real potentials for improving our yields is, is having longer season varieties and getting them in early when we have the opportunity, Yep. Uh, which we don't always have. So, for instance, the the twin trial at South Stirlings hasn't even gone in its first time of sowing yet because they only got rain a couple of days ago with this front that's gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that'll that probably have a first time of sowing um, around mid-May and a second time of sowing early June. And that's just the way it is. <laughs> we yep. can't control the weather, um, but we'll uh, we'll look at that as well. Yep, no, that's right. But I look in future, obviously, outcomes from this sort of research uh, means you can grab the opportunities when they do happen rather than thinking, hmm, I wonder if we could have. Um, instead of just doing the same that's been done for ever and a day. So I reckon that's uh, going to be a really interesting one to watch. So that's really good, the uh, Closing the Yield Gap project. Moving on to some others, um, non-wetting soils, obviously, and I know you've mentioned to me also about mid-row banding of nitrogen. You want to talk about those two just in a brief brief sense as well? Yeah, look, we've got some funding for mid-row banding research from the National Land Care Program. So... Um, some of your listeners are probably well aware that overall the Australian efficiency of applied to nitrogen is about 42 or 44%. So less than half of what we put on ends up being useful to the plant. Mm-hmm. So there's been some interesting research out of Victoria and CSBP have been doing some plot trial work in the last year or two um, looking at injecting uh, liquid mid-row banding. So either, either at seeding or a bit later, sort of before growth stage 31. Yep. Um, with, the, with the thinking that um, you might lift your efficiency of the nitrogen you've applied from 40% to 50 60%. So yep. um, the benefits to that are obvious, greater for the environment, obviously better for farmers, more efficient. Um, and in our case, with sort of high rainfall zone and waterlogging, I'm sort of wondering if we can eventually get to a point where we can put a big whack in the ground and maybe not have to come back for one less top-up or, or something like that. So mm. who knows? It'll just be a proof of concept initially. Yep. Uh, a lot of good good information there. And as you say, the benefits will be obvious if you can get that efficiency up. So that's terrific. So, Nathan, also non-wetting soils, obviously an issue right around Western Australia, but I know in particular in Stirlings to Coast Farmers area uh, where all that happens, you know, I've witnessed firsthand um, in things that we work with as well. Non-wetting soils can be a real issue, so you've got some a project underway with that as well. Just a couple of basic comments on what's going on there. Yeah, our western area of our grower group sort of takes in Tendon and Kendon up mm-hmm. um, and lots of forest gravelly sort of non-wetting soils there. Um, you know, as an example, we had nearly 30 mil over overnight and we were seeding a trial on Wednesday and there's still dust coming off the cedar. But, yeah, we're just playing around with um, some wetting agents, SE14, yep. uh, a couple from BASF yep. and 
with the farm scale equipment, we were applying it either next to the seed in furrow um, or on top of the furrow. Um, and we had 11 different treatments and, yeah, it's um, all went in the ground about the day after we had that inch of rain, but look, I don't think it'll ruin our non-wetting. It'll uh, yep. still be valuable information that comes out of it. Oh, no doubt. And look, I know firsthand how important those soil wetters and those those issues can be um, with pre-emergent herbicides, for example. So there's another interesting interaction there as well, Nathan. Is there anything in the trial um, looking at that as well, or is it just establishment? No, it certainly is a topic that that particular group of farmers for our membership have, have wanted to pursue for a few years. Yep. Um, it's going into canola this year. Yeah. Um, so we'll do some pretty comprehensive plant counts in the next couple of weeks uh, once it comes out of the ground, and then obviously we'll yield it as well. Um, so no, no interactions with um, you know with the pre-emergent herbicides that we'll be measuring. No, okay. I mean there are certainly some trials historically I've seen on that, and that is an interesting topic and maybe something for the future. Yeah, the non-wetting project we're involved with, Craig, uh, we're actually working with Southern Dirt, who are the leads of the project. Uh, it's DRDC funded, and yeah, we, we're subcontracting to them um, and doing a trial site at Tenderden this year. Oh, terrific. Just up the road there, so great collaboration between the grower groups. I like to see that as well. That's really good because these issues are, are quite broad. So, yep, Southern Dirt leading that one and Sealings to Case working along with them. That's really good, Nathan. Yeah, thanks, Craig. It's working well. In terms of, look, COVID-19, of course, you couldn't probably do a podcast at this time without mentioning it. It's challenging everyone for, you know, getting out and about and around. I mean, that may change in the next uh, month or two. Who knows? But I know, you know, you guys, like everyone, have been considering ways you can create information or, you know, uh, get that out to your members um, still if you can't meet face-to-face with large groups and whatnot. So what's just a couple of initiatives there that you, you might have coming at Sterling's to Coast? Yeah, well, it's a good point, Craig. And even before COVID-19, we were thinking this way. Um, Grower groups are largely about engagement with with growers and members. And they're they're always pretty time poor, so they can't always make a field day or a field walk, um, lecture-style presentations. So we've already been thinking about ways of doing more podcasts, which you're helping with with us today, Um, but also videos, which we can then put on our on our website with a link to YouTube and, you know, people can watch that whenever they like. Um, and it's just a good way of summarising uh, projects and data and, and what's happening. Yeah, that is certainly um, certainly a good one. And have you had any insights or uh, into, you know, what's a, a good length of time to make these videos? You know, do we need a, a one-hour or two-hour special or is it more a few minutes is what you're really aiming for there? My personal view is, yeah, five to six minutes would be maximum. Yep. Um, I actually haven't read up on any research as to you know what would be the ideal, but I guess it's just my own preference and what I what my own habits on YouTube and yep. how long my attention span attention span stays on what I'm doing. Yeah, so. absolutely. As you say, time poor, but you still want to get that information. I mean, this uh, podcast style. You can listen to it um, and keep moving around, but with a video, you obviously have to stop and watch it, and uh, that adds another great element to everything, but of course, there must be a a critical point. So listeners, if you've got any um, comments about that, then certainly get in touch with the team there or or myself, and um, yeah, please let us know what works for you. Um, Always invaluable, so... Um, not just a one-way thing. If you've got ideas, thoughts, topics you'd like covered on this Sealings to Coast Farmers podcast, then please get in touch. 
I guess the other thing I'd say about that, Craig, I love about videos is it's so easy to advertise either through Facebook or Twitter, yep. um, the links or even electronic newsletters. So, yep. you know, you can send that out. People just press the button, hit the link, yep. and um, if they're interested, they're straight there. So That's right. It, it just works so well. Uh, Modern technology. Great mediums, yep. When they work, they work well. And, um, yeah, hopefully in this podcast in the future we keep doing it, we might be able to highlight a, a few of those when you do produce that material to say, hey, keep an eye out for this or, or whatnot. So there will be always be those links. But that's that's really good. I think that uh, closes out really nicely. Thanks for your time, Nathan. We'll come back to you in just a moment. I want to turn our attention now to the Smart Farms. Um, Smart Farms coordinator at Stirlings to Coast is... Phil Honey, how are you going, mate? Yeah, good, Craig. How are you today? Yeah, pretty good, thanks. No, going well. Look, I've been really interested in seeing a few tweets or just bits and pieces and, you know, there's certainly some cool gadgets, I imagine, involved with smart farms, but, of course, the gadget shouldn't be the focus. It's about the objective of what you're trying to achieve. So, yeah, what are you trying to achieve as the smart farms coordinator uh, in the Stellings to Coast area? Yeah, so as part of smart farms... Um initiative, we are testing a wide range of technologies over the next three years. Um, basically, we want to test what ag tech solutions work and what simply doesn't. So we're taking a lot of the risk out of it so that the growers don't have to find it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, also want to, and we also want to identify any upcoming technologies that will create um, production benefits because yeah, at the end of the day, you don't want to you want to be able to make money or save time or create efficiencies um, with the technologies, but there's also a few other ancillary benefits that come along with it. So, you know, improving soil health, fertility, um, improving grain production qualities, um, minimising offsite, you know, effects of farming and, yeah, being more effective. So does that include things not to get fo- gadget focused, but uh, paint a bit of a picture what are some of those gadgets and what would you know they specifically do? So it's weather stations sort of in this, uh, internet connectivity when you're out in the paddock and areas like that as well? Yeah, there's a bit of everything, Craig. So uh, we've got a range of weather stations and also rain gauges um, dispersed across both smart farms. Mm-hmm. What we want to use that information for is, is particularly with the weather. Um, we're, we're trialling a technology called hyperlocal weather forecasting. So... It's, it's an internet-connected weather station. It predicts what the weather's going to be, and it self-learns. So if, you know, it's 15 degrees and the prediction's 16, it goes, well, no, I need to drop it down. Mm-hmm. The perfect, the benefit of that is is that you can start looking at what, you know, what's going to happen in the next 36 hours, but also within the next 15 days. Um, and you can have a lot of smarts behind that as well. So uh, if you start putting in, you know, rain periods, when you're looking at chemical applications, for example, you can actually tell you when you can and can't spray. Uh, we're also looking at rain gauges, so you know, looking at rainfall variability across farms. Um, everyone knows that it does vary across your landscape, but to what extent, you know, we're trying to actually map um, and and also feed that information with soil moisture probes for nutrient decisions. So we can actually go well. Yeah, we've got enough subsoil moisture. We can put another bit of uh, nitrogen out, boost our protein, or maybe we might just hold off. Yep. No, they um, sound really exciting, those things, and the more data you get sometimes uh, without being able to interpret that properly or have the, the smarts to do it doesn't really mean anything, but it sounds like with smart farms. Um, you mentioned smart farms. You said there were two. What sort of area 
you know, roughly are they in uh, across the Stillingsdale Coast catchment? Yeah, so we've got uh, two farms. One's located at Wujanella, uh, which is a dedicated cropping operation, yep. um, somewhere around the five six thousand hectare mark. So reasonably a reasonably good size, um, and scattered over probably twenty k's of distance by road. Um, and then the other farm that we've got is a mixed crop livestock um, with with cattle and beef production. So uh, we've got we want to focus on both sort of farming operations because we. Our members are both, you know, either mixed or yep. 100% crop. Um, and obviously the technologies that we utilise on each farm may vary a little bit as well. Oh, without a doubt. <clears throat> That's really good. So, no, as you said, Smart Farm's a great project by the sound of it and having you there as the coordinator, you know, to trial some of these things. Again, there's a lot of gadgets that get advertised that can do this and that, but um, unravelling what it really means, how it's going to make a difference is... Uh, what smart farms and yourself obviously going to help your members out so they don't make costly mistakes in buying things that perhaps uh, don't sort of link together or don't make any sense. So I reckon that's a really good one and I'm really interested to to watch that and we'll keep keep your members updated uh, through a podcast like this one and, of course, all the updates that you'll be doing anyway. Yeah, that's it, Grace. So, um, look, we've got a wide range of technologies at the end of the day and um – Look, you know, one example was is that we uh, utilised some uh, drone uh, drone mapping for for weed locations um, at a pre-emergent level, um, and yeah, it was it's quite interesting technology. You know, looking at alternative ways of creating variable rate knockdown maps. Oh wow, that'll be really useful. Uh, really, really good, as you say. Um, that's the future for sure. So, no, I'm uh, looking forward to keeping up with that one and I'm sure your members will be as well. Yeah, well, a lot of great projects here at the Stealings to Coast Farmers Group and it's really good. I think we'll catch up again, Phil, in the future and we'll delve into some of these topics really in a lot more detail. I think listeners will be uh, quite interested to hear about that. But, um, Nathan, I know a lot of projects going on and you sort of bring together a trials review book or an activities review book, which will be out in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, Craig, um, it will be out in a, a final draft printed off. Um, it's It will definitely be our biggest ever. I sound like a uh, vacuum cleaner salesman, but it, it is really large. <laughs> yep. um, 80, 80 odd pages um, and a lot of content. So, really looking forward to getting that out. We've got a graphic designer on staff this year in, in Sam Jeffries, and she's done a fantastic job. And um, yeah, we've got a really good product coming out, I think. Yep. No, I've been really impressed over the year, um, over the the period I reckon while you've had her on board and really enjoyed some of the, the content that she's come up with throughout the year as well when I've sent something that looks uh, pretty average uh, on a Word document and it comes out and it's a nice surprise when it comes out in the in the newsletters and places so well done on that too, really good quality information to for your members to, uh, to pick up on. Yeah, no, it's great Craig and I, oh, I agree, I'm the same, I just give her a Word document and uh, she makes it look fantastic. Yep, easy to digest and easy to pick up. So that's really terrific. Now, guys, um, getting in touch with Sterling's to Coast Farmers, obviously the website is www.scfarmers.org.au and you're also on Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, through SC Farmers. So we do have a, uh, a project section on the website, Craig, which um, yeah helps talk, you know, helps cover quite a few of our topics that we uh, yep. we've discussed today. All right, that's great. So scfarmers.org.au and also on Twitter, you can type that. Don't forget it's got the number two in it um, for that. So Stirling's the Coast. 
but Phil and Nathan, it's been really great to have you here on the first Selling to Coast Farmers podcast and we'll look forward to doing some more of this in the future and listeners, please get in touch and let us know what you think and what you would like to hear about. Thanks, Craig. Thanks very much, Craig. Thanks for having us. No worries. See you later, guys. See ya. Thanks for listening to this Grower Group podcast produced in conjunction with Bayer Crop Science. You can get more information about Grower Group activities from the Grower Group Alliance at gga.org.au. And Bayer is a strong supporter of Grower Groups right around Australia and you can get in touch with us at crop.bayer.com.au. Thanks for listening. <laughs>